1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring.
2: Hey, okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you, you, you. Still have pro-man run around tight
0: pants. It's Mookie Betts. Is Daniel Bard. Is Steve Aoki. There's Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Is baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball
2: Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Baseball isn't boring. Once again, we know that because we've been watching baseball here at Spring Training. And we've been doing podcasts. We we'll continue to do podcasts. Every single day we're going to keep them coming, so subscribe to this baby, listen to it rate, review, buy the t-shirts, buy the book, a damn near perfect game. It came out this week and it's red hot. It's red hot. People are talking. People are talking about this book, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Right now, we want to talk about what's right in front of us in that spring training, what's going on with the great game of baseball. There's no better person for me to catch up with than a guy who was on the Baseballs and Boring podcast in the off season, it was excellent, talking about where people might land. I thought he had some great insight and he has great insight right now because he is in the know when it comes to everything with baseball teams. Buster only, Buster only of ESPN. Buster's always a good guy to, to chop it up with when it comes to what is what in the world of baseball. And that's exactly what we did. We sat here at JetBlue Park spring training uh buster is toying around with espn the broadcast obviously sideline reporter as well so a lot of good stuff and so a lot of good stuff to talk about here you go here's buster only all right baseball isn't boring once again we we've done it once and we're gonna do it again buster only uh but we're doing it in person here at spring training buster what's going on hey rob how are you I couldn't be any better. It's nice out in the great game of baseball. It's
3: fast, it's quick. It's it's uh, it's fun to watch, um, <laughs> right? Am I mean, am I wrong? No, uh, you know Tim Kershon and I have been having this run running conversation. He of course works with me at ESPN uh, about how players are processing all these rule changes. And I told him on Monday uh, that my perception is about two-thirds of the players are like, hey, this is pretty cool. (laughs) You know, Paul Goldschmidt, Carlos Correa, uh, Vinny Pascantino, the Royals. And he told me, he said 50-50, well, today... Before I saw him in the Red Sox clubhouse, he goes, you know what? I'm talking to more players. I'm, I'm beyond you. Ooh. I think it's like beyond 70% now in terms of players liking these rules. I think they love the pace. I think they – some players might not necessarily feel comfortable. Alec Boehm of the Phillies today told me – He's kind of up in the air. Pete Alonso is another guy. But I think, by and large, players absolutely love the pace. All right,
2: pitchers or hitters? Which who are more uncomfortable right now?
3: Well, I think hitters, actually. I think pitchers are adapting faster. You know, we in the media are focusing more on guys like Henley Jansen with their deliveries, Kevin Gossman. But it's the hitters that you can see, like, they've gotten into the habit, the Dustin Pedroia habit of undoing their gloves and thinking through the pitch selection and Process, using that time to process what's going to come next and now i think they're on their heels a little bit so some of the rule changes uh you know the the defensive shifts uh, i think the uh you know the the limited throws to first base they're going to help offense but generally speaking i think that the pitch clock is going to help pitchers okay this is this is what
2: one of the fascinating things that i've sort of been trying to get my head around watching the first two games broadcasting the first two games that i did this this spring the, the question of, will there be more offense or less offense? The obvious uh, the obvious answer, a lot of people believe there was going to be more offense, less shifts, more stolen bases. But here's the thing, Buster, and you tell me if I'm full of hooey. It's fine if you do. But I feel like the, the hitters are going to be rushed and a little bit more frenetic. So I think, in, at least initially, there's going to be that lack of production because of that.
3: Maybe I'm wrong. Can I quote you? Yeah. Okay, you're full of hooey. Oh, nice. Okay, (laughs) I like it. No, no, I think you're right at the beginning. and, And I mentioned, I think that the advantage with the pitch clock is going to be with the pitchers. But, you know, we had the exhibition game the other day on television, Cardinals and Mets. There were six or seven hits that went through the infield that would have been easy outs. You know, a guy standing behind second base. I think the defensive shift metrics had gotten so acute and were so well executed that it took a big hit with the offense. Mm-hmm. So if you pull, you know, not only include the pitch clock, but you also include the, re- the restrictions on defensive shifts, I think offensive numbers are going to go up. I think the more guys are going to try to steal, I, I think teams, you're going to see some gamesmanship with all that.
2: I, you've convinced me.
3: I, I have an open
2: mind. I mean, we are so early. We're early, early March. I, I am. I'm very wishy-washy. I'm trying to get my head around all of this. Um, so when you, you've you been to camps, you're, you're going through spring training. Today, we're sitting here at JetBlue Park. Uh, give me some of your takeaways.
3: So today, uh, you know, I, I, it was the first time I saw Rafael Devers since he signed his contract. And uh, he's one of my favorite guys, as he is everybody. And I congratulated him on it and asked him what the first thing he bought was to, con- you know, to, to celebrate. Uh, and then after we got done that conversation, he looked at me and said, how good do you think we're going to be? And I said, I don't think you're going to be very good. I think you're going to have some injury issues. And we talked about it, uh, about the team. And, and look, if everything goes right, let's say Chris Sale comes back and he's Chris Sale. And Nick Pavetta uh, continues to blossom as this guy who you know, is a, a front-end rotation. They stay healthy. Kike Hernandez stays on the field. Justin Turner stays in the lineup. Yeah, they'll be better than what idiots like me expect. But you and I have been around a long time, and we know that depth matters. And I, that's my concern for this team for this year. Um, and I also wonder if you gave truth serum uh, you know, to Heim and the folks who run the front office, if they get off to a slow start, do we think there's a chance they're going to be selling some pieces and parts in mm-hmm. the trade deadline? I do, after what we saw with Christian Vasquez last year.
2: Yeah, it, it's 2023 Red Sox, maybe? Question mark? I mean, it's it's really... That case and 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 you know how it is in spring training and, and we heard this from Alex Cora earlier today about hey I'm getting to sleep i I feel good about the team everyone's doing their job and every everyone's optimistic about everything everyone's seeing the best in everything right now the Pittsburgh Pirates are seeing the best in the Pittsburgh Pirates um, uh, unless I'm wrong yeah.
3: well I, I mean a, a great example of what you're talking about are the Dodgers right yeah. they had the master plan where they were ready to go and it was feeling good they got some depth they got some young Young players ascending. Gavin Lux blows out his knee. Everything has changed. Mm-hmm. Like, their their camp is completely altered. Um, and I'm not going to mention any specific names here because I don't want to – I hate even putting a thought out there. But all it takes is one or two injuries, and the context will change completely. And let's face it. For the Red Sox, the bar is so high because you're in the American League East. You have a Yankee team, which is loaded. they got Aaron Judge back. You know, they, you know they could probably win 100 games again this year. The Blue Jays are really good. The Rays are really good. The Orioles are really good. So it's going to be a challenge, and the margin of error for the Red Sox is so thin. That's why I said to Rafi what I said.
2: Did he Did he look at you? Did he say? Oh, he was what? surprised, well, which, he, I, I'm, which which
3: made me happy. He, he, like he, I bet really he chuckled, right? He, well, he was he was like really he, he, like he, genuinely he, surprised, yeah. which is cool because. What that means is he really believes in the players and the yeah. team, and that's 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 where you want him to be because you and I have had conversations with <laughs> veterans early in spring training, and they're like, what do you think? And they look at you like, yeah, we suck. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he was genuinely surprised when I told him that uh, I-, I thought it was going to be a struggle. Well, the biggest thing when uh, you walk in that clubhouse, and i would be
2: anxious to get your sort of take on it. It's unlike any other Red sized clubhouse that I've walked into honestly and since this ownership group took over which is, you don't have the marquee names and i said this to other people you have the two locker guys you, like you, you know the stars have two lockers the guys devers is a two locker guy good for him Pedroya, bogarts ortiz two locker guys Kike hernandez is a two locker guy now but you wouldn't say that normally in the red sox world that would be the case Conversely, I walked into San Diego Padres clubhouse the other day. Ooh. Yeah, holy mackerel! I'm, I'm like,
3: you got to build another clubhouse than yeah, yeah, the two lock.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. It was exact, no, you know, I don't know if anybody did. And I'm sitting there talking to Bogarts, and you know, Juan Soto's chair is to the left of me. Nelson Cruz is to the right of me. And I'm Manny, Manny Machado. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. So. What's your take on... Listen, 11-year 11 11 contract for you, 11-year contract for me, 11-year contract for everybody. Um, what's your take on what the Padres are doing? Because... I think that it's great. We have the Phillies sitting right in front of us. They're sort of a poor man's Padres, I guess, the Mets. Rich man's Padres, I'd say. Rich man's <laughs> Padres. So what's what's your take on
3: that? So I had a conversation with Peter Sidler, the owner of the Padres, in the first week of last year's regular season. We're at Petco Park, and I just said, hey, a lot of teams are wondering – you're outspending your revenues. Hmm. And he just looked at me and he was like, Well, we'll be fine. <laughs> and, and I, and, you know, the comparison. Sounds like what made, I said to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and I, the comparison I've been making, you know, when you hear a team say, you know, the Baltimore Orioles, for example, they've been tanking for five years, their payroll's only 67000000 million. They're talking about, I don't know if we can afford to add a pitcher yeah. for $10 million. Yeah. It sounds like a, a millionaire complaining about the cost of a swimming pool. To some degree. Yeah. Um, you know, to, is it possible that the Padres are outspending their revenue? Yeah. Uh, and I keep on hearing that from other teams. But on the other hand, with uh, franchise values going up early in a labor agreement, five years of labor peace, I personally think you're going to see a spike in television numbers because these new rules you're going to have in place. Uh, if if the Orioles spent another $40 million, would they be okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, no. and, you know, and it does bother me. That, you know, the the owners of the the Padres and the Mets get the most scrutiny when for the last 10 years and other owners are up in arms. I'm like, hey, the last decade we've seen example after example of teams tanking. How about forming a special committee to talk about a team borrowing on the credibility of the rest of the sport? That's I couldn't say any better. And you bring up a good point about the,
2: the labor agreement, because I think people forget where we were one year ago today. I looked this up today, because um, my co-author, Joe Kelly, did an op-ed for the LA Times on March 3rd about baseball. I remember, I was like, oh, it seems like right around this time, because that was the end of Jupiter, those meetings in Jupiter. And think about where baseball was and the perception of baseball and and all of that one year ago. So now we flash forward to right now, and we have Seidler, we have Cohen, we have this, we have, uh, like you said, TV ratings, I think will be up. From your perspective, you look back from where it is, it was a year ago to now, what is the thing that surprised, or does anything surprise you? Is baseball where you thought it would
1: be? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
3: I don't think anybody uh, anticipated the huge spike in salaries. I mean, even before this last offseason when you had those major raster signings, the Associated Press printed the other day, average salary for players last year went up 14.8%. You know and I know that the team, the guys who got hurt in the last five or six years were guys in the middle class. Well, those guys this winter— they got paid, mm-hmm. right? You know, Sean Manaya uh, who had a down year last year uh, in San Diego, he had two years and $25 million. So those guys are now being rewarded. That's a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Steve Cohen, when I was in the Mets camp last week, uh, their owner was talking about how last summer he was saying to other owners, you know what? Inflation is affecting a lot of prices. Mm-hmm. Do you think inflation will affect the players' uh, salaries? The answer clearly is yes. Um, I-, I do hope... That the two sides can actually begin to develop this wonderful collaborative relationship where they can work together and promote players because you got a Shohei Otani, right? Uh, you have a Julio Rodriguez. You have—I don't know—if have you've seen Jordan Walker of the Cardinals, oh yeah, my yeah, god, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's amazing. Um, the sport's in a position where it can really grow. Uh, my experience covering the game for a lot of years tells me it won't. Yeah. Uh, that they won't take advantage of it in a way that probably would be best for the game. Well,
2: it comes back to the rules things. It is, this was, that was a microcosm of the, the fractured relationship. The, the players were, when that came down, the players were upset. Why were they upset? Not necessarily even because the rules. It was because they felt the, hey, how dare you ownership, tried to force something without having more
3: conversation. You know, I would say this, though, when when that decision came down, we we heard that the players were unanimous. They didn't want the new rules. It actually reminded me of the steroid testing issue in 2002, Mm -hmm. where the union leadership was like, well, never had steroid testing privacy rights. And you talk to individual players at that time, Mm -hmm. you know, one on one. And they were like, yeah, we need drug testing. When you talk to individual players last year, during the course of the winter, this spring, and you ask them about these rule changes, they're like, this is pretty good. Yeah, This is great. Well, I think they a lot of, like you said, a lot of those guys were screaming and yelling back in September. Right now are like, oh, I get to go home? What? What's right, exactly. The- That's mean- exactly right. So I think the players have embraced it, and, uh, and, and I think they were ahead of their leadership in recognizing how much better this could be. So the
2: simplistic way to look at what baseball is Is predictions We all predict, we like to do predictions of Be In early February we do predictions Mid-February we do predictions From what you thought heading in And I know this is crazy early We have a lot of guys hitting straight balls Right down the middle and saying Oh my goodness they're going to have a great year No, that, Just wait a couple of weeks to see actually If guys can hit real pitches But has anything changed your mind About where every any team is going to finish
3: The Dodgers The injury to Lux is a huge deal like <clears throat> what's distinguished the Dodgers the last ten years is the depth. Well, they're for the first time in a long time they don't have the depth to cover this injury, and they are scrambling. Um, and so for that reason, I'm picking the Padres. Not only okay. win the West, I've got them winning the World Series, uh, and I've got them the Astros, who I think are loaded. Uh, when you're around that camp and you add Jose Abreu into the their lineup, uh, I, I think they're phenomenal. I think they're going back to the World Series, but San Diego is going to win it. Is there any other teams where you're hearing that, hey, this is interesting, what's going
2: on there? Like, for instance, I just came from the white size camp and you know Pedro Grafal is trying to change the mindset there from what it was with Tony La Russa. I mean and I think that he's doing it in a way where it's just very very you know very regimented very strict and 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 probably what a lot of guys aren't used to but you have to change you underachieve so whatever you're doing you have to do something differently I don't know if there's that example or if there's another example of other camps that you're hearing they're doing things differently there
3: well and I think you'd agree with me on this <clears throat> Now, writers, we get caught up in the excitement of camps. Yeah, you know, every year I'll get a, I'll get caught up in the, in the excitement of a particular camp. I haven't seen the Mariners in person this spring. I think they're uh, a team that's really growing. They're an excellent team. That's a team that I'm really going to be curious about during the course of the year. Uh, I hear about the White Sox because there were a lot of stories about the perceived disconnect among the players with Tony La Russa. Mm. You know that he. Uh, Hall of Fame manager. I think he's the greatest manager in baseball history, but there definitely was something there. Mm. There's no doubt about it. So those are interesting. And, and just being down here in Fort Myers, being around the Twins. Yeah. You know, Carlos Correa had this unprecedented winner, has two deals blown up by failed physicals, and, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he has two failed physicals, and when he walked into camp this year, it was like I'm in, like I'm here. He's put all that behind him, and the feeling is, you know what? However I got here, this is my team, and I want to win. And in the American League Central, that can be difference making because it's not a division of a lot of great teams.
2: Yeah, no, I hear you. And I was over at the Twins for a day, and Correa's presence. And you talked to the writers there, you talked to the players. Presence is, there's no question. I mean, he's available. He likes to talk baseball. He's he's talking to players. All you could see in that just that one day. A guy like Christian Vasquez goes over there, and obviously, like he's a veteran that, that can't hurt either. But you know, in, in Seattle, we had Jerry Depoto on the podcast last week, and it was interesting, Buster, because he's talked about how you know he, he was always trading, 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 trying to find the best talent, the best talent. Now this is about finding the best fits for the, with the talent, which is for a GM. It might feel good to get to that point. And we'll see if they actually are at that point. I think they are.
3: Well, and the fact that you have Julio Rodriguez and, and you have this a great start. pitching staff, it's a tremendous start. <clears throat> I still think Houston's better than they are, but that to me, you can make a case by the end of the year, depending on how Yankees' injuries go, that they could be the second best team in the American League. So I said, I love
2: this argument. You start a team right now. You have one player start a team. Wow. Wow. Okay, all right, so this is, I always say this, the first time. Are you time, trying
3: to win this year or are you trying to no, win? No, no,
2: no, you're, you're building a franchise, and I get it. You're like, for baseball, you need nine players, you need a bench and everything else. But I always remember this question was posed to Theo Epstein in 2005 when he was on his hiatus. And in 2005, it was at a charity event, he said Felix Hernandez, which, I mean, there's no wrong answer. There's a, there's a lot of right answers, there's no wrong answer. Um, but I'm saying this because my answer is Julio Rodriguez. And people immediately, when I say that, they jump and say, Juan Soto, Juan Soto. So, again, not, no wrong answers. You got? Do you have someone? Boy,
3: <clears throat> you're hitting me cold on that one. Uh, I think Julio Rodriguez is a great candidate. I think Juan Soto is a great candidate. I am curious to see Jordan Walker, the Cardinals this year. You know, uh, Skip Schumacher, who uh, was with the Padres when Fernando Tatis Jr. came up, said that Jordan Walker reminds him of Fernando Tatis Jr. in terms of the impact he's going to make. I would tend to lean towards shortstops, middle of the. Good one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, among those guys, boy, if you're starting a franchise today, that's that is a hard one. That's a great question. Uh, Carlos Correa with better ankles. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I mean Carlos, but you know, twenty eight now, and 20, he's, yeah. he's on the, he's on the high side. So you're right. If you're investing in a really young player, um, well, you know what? I mean, we're both idiots. It should be Shohei Ohtani because you're talking no, about. So,
2: so that's another one. I'm not. I don't think I'm an idiot. Well, I am an idiot, but it's. But I'll say this because I'm not. Con- Yes, for the
3: next couple years, sure. Yeah, but for the long haul, I don't. I don't know. Okay, so if you're, uh, you know, running a team and you're trying to build going forward, is there any greater insurance policy than what Otani presents in terms of performance? Because if today he blows out his elbow. Oh, guess what? You have a top-five slugger in baseball, right? Let's say that he just decides, you know, I don't like this hitting thing anymore. You still have a top-five pitcher. You've got one guy presenting those two players. You have to pick him first.
2: You know what? You've you've already changed my mind. I'm so wishy-washy today. And and another factor uh, I didn't even introduce in the argument which is, and this is the reason why he's going to get $500 million, is because this, if I'm starting a team, I also have to sell tickets. I also have marketing. Right. There is nobody better for the b- business of baseball than Shohei Ohtani.
3: Right. And you, you're selling them short at $500 million, by the way. Ooh, I like this. The, the, the operative numbers, if you had asked me a year ago, the operative numbers would have been five, mm-hmm. as in $50 million plus or $500 million plus. The operative numbers with Otani, I believe, with the Mets – Involved clearly, Billy Epler, former GM of the Angels, who convinced Otani to go to the Angels now with the Mets and with the Dodgers, who slashed their payroll. The internal conversation is we're going after Otani, yeah. a bidding war between those two teams. Watch the number six. Oh,
2: six. Wow. Wow. I love it. This is going to keep it going. All right, Buster. Thanks, man. I Let's go watch a great game of baseball.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,